You're listening to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. Little by little, I was getting the sense of my time isn't my time. Just kept doing this pull to the outdoors and wanting to do something in the outdoor space. So I'm rolling, and then I'll hit record on here. I'll have to edit this one up pretty good. Any questions before we start? This isn't on there. How unfamily friendly are we getting? Uh, PG-13? Uh, no, it's not PG-13. I mean, I won't go out of my way to say, like, the worst of the worst. I mean... Where are you putting this on again? It's a Spotify. YouTube. There's no video. Actually, it won't be on YouTube because there's no video on this one. This is on your two bucks. Yeah, this is the two bucks entrepreneur one. Okay. So, all right. Welcome back to another two bucks podcast episode. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and I'm actually really excited today because I have two good buddies that have met for the first time, um, a buddy Phil and a buddy Tyler. Both Phil and Tyler are huge hunters. They love the outdoors, but they also are both into real estate which is something I've always been interested in, but I've never pulled the trigger, um, despite learning a ton from both of them. So I'm excited for this episode. We're probably going to talk mostly real estate. Phil does have a side business we might get into a little bit. Tyler's always got a bunch of fun stuff to going on, mostly in the hunting space. So we're going to go with that. But thanks for uh, sitting down tonight, making it work out. We're here for uh, a trip anyway. So Tyler was gracious enough to host us, give us a free beer, and have us for this podcast. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully I uh, paid enough to be able to plug my other stuff too. So. <laughs> uh, well, you get what you paid for, Phil, that's for sure. <laughs> Tyler's done a Western Rookie episode with us because he hunts Western North Dakota, which makes the cut a few times. We're sitting here with all of Tyler's deer, which is pretty cool. But, but yeah. We're going to add more to this year. Try Yeah. You just said you had a tag, right? Oh, yeah. A couple tags, yeah. That's exciting. That's exciting. I was going to show you a buck we had on the farm right before I started the episode, but I'm going to not be able to do that anymore since I... might be here a few hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to know, I was going to start off with go, maybe going one by one, but like, so Tyler, I met you first. We've been friends longer. Sorry, Phil. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I remember when we first met, you had already bought this place that we're in now, which is a triplex that you house hack. Mm-hmm. Did you just get like insanely lucky with making a great life decision right off the bat? Or did like, where was your first? Honestly, what inspired me was you know, I came across it and I'm like, this is, this is a perfect gateway. And I didn't know no one at the time or why, but I went with it and got really lucky. And essentially about a year before I bought this, maybe a year and a half, I did one of those rich dad, poor dad course things and spent a significant amount of money on it. And it really pissed me off because it didn't get me anywhere. <laughs> I literally, I mean, it was like $12,000. What? Yeah. I did not know that. So this was like in person with Robert. Yeah, not with Robert, but Robert has this, I don't know, what scheme? Pokes his tooth hard, but. <laughs> They came to Fargo and it was like a free real estate thing. Is it one of the things you hear on the radio? Yeah, literally it was like advertised all over the place. Come to the blah, blah, blah hotel and get a free real estate training from Robert Kiyosaki. But it wasn't Robert Kiyosaki, actually. It was his equivalent of... You get a free <laughs> sales pitch on how to spend $12,000. Yeah, it actually was. Well, it was 
it was like a two hour thing and they just teased the shit out of you and they're like, Oh, if you want you can come to this three day weekend course. Jesus, how much for, would that cost? Five hundred bucks. I'm like, Oh shit, five hundred bucks, I can afford that. I'll learn all this stuff and yada da da and essentially they get you in this room and they tell you just enough to like have a understanding but not know how. It's like it'd be like you going to the car dealership, you're like, Oh, look at this truck and this and that and Everything and for the low price of fifteen thousand dollars, we'll teach you how to drive it, kind of thing. <laughs> so by the end of the three day, they have some really high sales pitch stuff. Where they were gonna have this mentor with you and send you off to all these. You get free these free weekend training things. But it was like you know, the job I had at the time. It was just uh, everything was so demanding. I didn't have all this time, and I literally blew all this money. And I didn't think through it going. Oh shit! It's gonna cost me five hundred dollars for a plane ticket and another five hundred dollars for a hotel, and there's all these extra fees with it just to try and learn more. And I was just so bummed about it. How big of a thing was this? Like, did they did they have a whole <laughs> bunch of other people there that you could even yeah, connect like, with, like or the, would the, like? So the initial it was it was kind of three steps. So the very first first initial like free training thing. It was if I remember right, I think it was like probably 50 people in the room and they had some like literally high sales like oh the first 10 to apply get a free goodie bag and put the put the carrot out there yeah and then i was like at the time i'm like 500 bucks you know i can i can swing that and got on to the next like it, it was a solid three day course but for a guy that's totally green and just like knows like real estate but has no idea what like it was it was such high level that I just, it had a lot of wow to it, but I didn't know how to continue with it. Didn't, didn't realize that the info was probably on YouTube. Well, not you know that too. And they had all these, oh, get all these books and stuff. I actually have all the books in my, in my office yet. There's a whole series of them. And I haven't read a single one yet. <laughs> yet? <laughs> I was like, like are you still going to? <laughs> there might be something good in there. I don't know. <laughs> They'll be like, you can't knock it yet. I mean, you didn't even read the books. Well, it was, it was just essentially the next step was like, oh, they were going to really handhold you, and then like you're going to have this guy come out and help you. I actually knew a, I knew a guy that actually went through it and actually did it, and he had some success with it, and that was something that actually sold me as well. But it just it turned out not to work just for life and yeah like and it's one of those things where i'm the type of guy where they, like they really were like well this is how you do it and i'm not the type of guy to like figure out like study it it's i just do right you've seen me you're just learn on the fly type we're just, we're just gonna do kind of thing yeah so it just didn't apply to me and that pissed me off so much that i told myself that's going to motivate me to 100x that initial little investment i gave robert kiyosaki so Thank you to Robert for the inspiration. <laughs> 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 might have worked after all. Yeah. Okay, but you. So after that, you so just. So after that, so this is so that was the like way way backstory, and it I you know I had to save up a couple of years just to get myself you know established to be able to buy something here. And you know I didn't know how to do it, and I was kind of working with some other buddies that we were just trying to do stuff and everything we were trying just wasn't working and I thought well maybe we should actually do this maybe the proper way and find a realtor to partner with and you know get a bank involved and all that stuff and I you know I really followed the steps and the thing I was struggling with was I was just some 23 24 year old kid back then 
and people look at me and go, what do, what do I owe this guy, right? Because every realtor has got a list of people yeah. that they're like, hey, I got something. You're an A client. You got first dibs on this. I mean, I was bottom of the barrel. A, B, C, D, E, F. I was an F client at that point. And uh, the realtor that I used, he, uh, one of these guys that he doesn't really hunt or fish, but he used to fish, I guess, and he couldn't get his ice out off the lake, and it broke through the ice in the spring. Oh, I see where this is going. So I went, and he called me because he knew I was a scuba diver, so I went out there, and, like, the DNR, Department of Natural Resources, was throwing, like, threatening him with thousands of dollars of fines. I think it's, like, 10000 a day, yeah. yeah. Like, it was stupid. He was, like, it was, like, Friday, and he's, like, I got to get this off by Monday, or they're going to just exile me. Like, this is not good. So I went down there, hooked up his fish house. We drug it out. And we're kind of, he was like, oh, give me a price, give me a price. And I'm like, well, let me, I got to assess the situation we've got going on. And this was spring, let's call it March. And we got it out. And he goes, what do you want? I go, I want top of the list. Really? Yeah. So that was March, and it was probably May-ish that this place came up. And it was uh, under the radar never hit the market and the realtor I work with he came across it and told him that he had a buyer and all this and here we are is this do I know this person is this person this is Mark Bushy oh okay I wasn't gonna name drop him if you didn't mm -hmm. want me to but no, Mark Bushy's a stud I'll name drop the him. man of real estate mm -hmm. Superman so yeah he sold my house I mean I love Mark mm -hmm. but doesn't apparently prioritize getting his fish house off the lake but <laughs> he's great at everything else in life <laughs> That's how it all started. So you knew you wanted to do real estate before yeah. you bought your first house. Yeah, but I didn't know what I could really make of it. Like at the time, yeah, I was really just going, how can I cut corners and maybe have someone help me pay my mortgage? And that's what it started off as. Yeah, that's where I, like when we met and you're like, yeah, I bought a triplex and my, you know, the other two units paid the mortgage. And I was like... I think I had just, well, first of all, I know I had just got through a breakup and we both know who it was with, which was kind of weird, but then <laughs> because we met and you're like, oh yeah, her. And I'm like, oh shit, she's here. Um, mm -hmm. But then I was, I think I had also been like one or two years in on a like brand new, I built a single family house right out of college. Thought I was like, man, am I crushing life? Like I just spent a ton of money on something that has yeah, like no, no you're, sweat you're equity. Right. I clearly remember this. You're like, yeah. Oh yeah, and everyone else is like, that sounds more like a like a EV charger. And but yeah, I was like, I was super happy because I had built houses, so I knew like what things would go well in a house. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't meet Robert Kiyosaki before I bought it, and I was like, shit, I messed up. Like I should have, like I was single. I didn't need a brand new house. I didn't. It was a nice house. I mean, you've been there. It's just any other nice brand new house in Fargo, but. Like, there's not a lot of things you could do with it other than live in it by yourself. So I got two roommates, and they helped a little bit, but that's, you know, not the same as, yeah. like, a triplex or multi-unit. Really, it really opened up the journey for me going, you know, I'm living for free, essentially, and, you know, what was next? So I just, it literally just put me down this rabbit hole of, I mean, 
a lot of possibilities and opportunities well, we are today going from that first one to 10 units now. Um, yeah. It's been great. Well, everyone says that first is the hardest, which obviously it's true. Uh, I'd say it's the easiest. Well, for you, well, just wait where I'm going with this. The, everyone says like the first investment property is well, the hardest to, to buy. I agree with that. But the, everyone also tries to go buy a house when they start life. Like when they start their adult life, they're like, all right, I figured out what my career is. I got a job. Maybe I have a girl. Maybe I have a boy or don't. But then the next step is typically like, how do I buy a house? Like that's the American dream, right? That's what they program you to do is go buy a house. I was going to say, if you are smart enough to buy your first rental property and your primary residence at the same time, then it is easy because you were already going to spend that much money anyway. But now you spent it on something that can grow. You can get cash flow. Yeah, especially for people looking to get into it for the last few years with COVID things of restrictions and whatnot. But uh, Freddie Mac just announced in the last week or two, actually, the whole house hack, quote unquote, you know, they're going to handle that essentially any multifamily two to four units that you are going to be a primary residence of one of those units you can get away with five percent down that was just announced oh so you do you couldn't buy this for five percent down at the time i could yes did yeah, you do like fha be under four unit four or less four units, four or less I believe. Yeah. yeah and it used to be like that but then you know last couple years with how everything's been that actually went away and that actually just came to uh, fruition just in the last couple weeks which is huge can you imagine how much trouble some 21 year old kid would get into if you could house hack a 40 unit apartment and put like five percent down on a 40 unit and be leveraged to the gills and then all of a sudden you like have vacancy (laughs) it would be great if it worked at 21 that sounds like a good idea actually that'd be like a dorm yeah, house hack and apartment building. Legal dorm all over again. And what's the worst that happens? Is just a ton of beer bottles laying around and <laughs> no one sleeps. <laughs> no one sleeps. <laughs> all right, so that's Tyler's starting story. I want to hear Phil. Like, did you have a, someone you knew in real estate? Did you spend yeah, $12,000 was... on a Robert Kiyosaki course? <laughs> well, what was your like first, like, oh, hey, Still this is could be. Uh, well, and see, that's the thing. You, you said your, your first one was, was easy, and I think that's because it was a primary residence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle is they're, they're, they're not going to be. This episode is brought to you by Steelhead Outdoors. What makes a Steelhead Outdoors gun safe stand out, aside from being the only American-made fire-insulated modular gun safe on the market, is the fact that you can customize your safe to be the perfect fit for you. Whether you pick one of the fan favorite colors inspired by our national parks or one of the nearly 1,000 custom colors they offer, your safe is going to be perfect. You can even get a safe in a rust color where they actually make the metal rust to just the right level and then they seal it so you always have a perfectly rustic looking safe. And that's just on the outside. When it comes to the inside, you can configure it all kinds of different ways by adding panels to the door, using shelves on half to organize ammo, or even adding their motion-activated light kit. I went with their brand new Recon 32 line in the awesome tactical-looking black and white, and I currently have my safe set up with lawn guns on half and shelves on the other side so I can store all of my ammo, and I love it. But the best part is it's completely modular. So as your firearm collection grows, you can configure your Steelhead Outdoors safe to match. Check out SteelheadOutdoors.com 
to build your custom safe and use the code two bucks. That's one word, two bucks to save $150 on your steelhead outdoors safe. Be somewhere where they're living. You know, you think, okay, I'm, it's, it's exciting to buy, you know, your first house and have your own space and be able to have your own house that you're going to do stuff with. But that first rent check is addicting. So I had a pretty unsexy start getting into real estate, which uh, I don't know, I, I don't consider myself an expert by any means at all, but I'm starting to learn that unsexy real estate is kind of how you want it to be. Mm -hmm. um, so the first, I bought my, my first place as a primary residence in 2019. Um, but I bought that with the complete intention of rehabbing that house and turning it into a rental. So doing a kind of a lesser version of a house hack there. Um, and what, what really got me started is I had always just kind of had a, I want to do my own thing mindset growing up. I never really knew what that was going to be. Um, thought, you know, I'd be inventing the next cool gadget and selling stuff, whatever that, uh, selling stuff as in, you know, cool product that I invented, not illegal substances. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I was, uh, one, of, one of my buddies that I work with, uh, we, were, we were at lunch one day and he was like, Bill, can you imagine, like, you know, 30 years from now, and we're still here, sitting at the same table, working for the same company, walking through that same rotating door right there, come to do <laughs> effectively the same job. And that just put a fear in me like I hadn't had before. That's just like, oh, no, I gotta, I gotta go do something. So that's right, I bought that first house uh, as a primary residence in 2019, and I was pretty much going effectively paycheck to paycheck rehabbing that place well kind of um, that i would call that a live and fix or, or yeah yeah like that yeah so uh bought that in 2019 had gotten a lot better at saving money um so actually in 2020 had uh saved up enough partnered with a guy uh the same one that was giving me the lunchroom talk and we went and bought a dedicated rental uh did a full rehab on that place in two months uh, i think i think we bought that one for Bought that one for 160, single-family house, uh, but got uh, over 20,000 in credits back for, for rehab expenses. So that's what allowed that one to happen there. Um, so bought that one in May, and by July 20th had it rented out for 18.50 a month. Wow. Um, so that was the first one there. Partnered on another one um, by the by the end of the year. Uh, that one. Similar story, just uh, needed a bunch of rehab, good bones, did a bunch of work to it, flipped it around in a couple months, had a second one that we had partnered up on. Uh, and then I guess it was, yeah, it was 2020 there. And then by 21, early 21 was when I had bought my first one myself. Uh, single family place, didn't need a whole lot of work there, but numbers looked good. You could still get dirt floor interest rates, so math checked out bought that one um, and then it was not actually till the end of 21 well I'm skipping a few steps here because then I had uh, bought another subject to property which we can go into that a little bit more later subject to is kind of one of those no money down methods that people talk about but I will say you kind of have to have a good relationship with the lender there and there's certainly risk associated to that um, hmm. Had also then bought the sixplex, uh, sixplex is actually a fourplex and a duplex that I bought in a package deal down in Missouri. Um, and then finally by the end of 21, 
had uh, turned around that uh, primary that I was living in, and I'm uh, kind of repeating that right now, although price doesn't shot up so much that one might turn into a sell instead of a rent there. Interesting, yeah. That's what do you, crazy what do you think about the partnership versus the sole? That's tough. <laughs> it's a it's a good it's a good way to get. And you have two of your properties are partnerships. I, I've actually got a total of three, so I think I've got I've got twelve units now. Um, so fourplex, duplex, six multi or six single family. Uh, three of those are partnerships, and then everything else I own uh, with one equity partner. That's just hands off behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's three that are partnerships, that's the same guy. That's, yep, yep, that's the same guy there. That would be nice, okay. Yeah, yep, so that's a, I, I, it's a great way to do it, uh, very conditionally. And that is, you can't both be good at the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna work. Um, this guy, he's, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of visionary. He's way more visionary than I am high level, good at identifying the deals. He also happens to be a real estate agent. So that brings some perks there because he's always given up his fees um, to put towards the house. So thankful for that. Uh, but then you can also get into stuff pretty quickly and easily. So that helps out a lot there. So it works if you're not both good at the same thing, I'd say. Um, but then additionally, you kind of have to have the same direction on where you want to go with it. Yeah. So if one person is just, oh, I have one, four or five rental properties and I just want to coast, this is cool, I have some supplemental cash on the, uh, on the side, and the other person is saying, no, I, I want a thousand units, I want 500 units, whatever, that's probably not going to work too. An another reason why I would uh, caution it conditionally is every time you start a partnership with someone different, you are expanding that network horizontally and you really need depth to grow and to really start being able to recycle money. So that's where I'm at right now, where it's like, okay, I've got that partnership right there. I've got my one equity partner in the background, which is fine because they're just a money person and basically I give them their dividends and I'm the shot caller and everything else. So that works great right there. Um, but now it's kind of where it's like, all right, I've got these, these two tap roots out on the side and I'm trying to now get those to go a lot deeper before I would really consider any other partnerships short of someone else really being able to offer something to me that that I can't do myself mm -hmm. so, so that be that could be again that could be the money person that could be someone that uh, in trades knows how to do everything so they're, uh, they're the person to do the work but uh, that's kind of right now I'm trying to focus on that depth instead of expanding partnerships so mm -hmm. um, like I said, it's one that you have to look at case by case there. Uh, I, I don't think partnerships are a bad thing at all. Um, there's just a trade-off. Obviously, you got two people, you split all the costs in half. So, uh, real Stay estate, the you profits, know, yeah. for sure, <laughs> absolutely, yep. So, that's the part I was focusing on. So, uh, yep, yep, that, that's the downside of it, you know. There's a, it's a balance to it, so. Um, I guess the question I would ask is, there's ever a situation would you partner with someone when you didn't need to financially? Like, would you still partner them despite the fact that you had enough money to do the deal? Like, because they have experience, because they're like, for example, here's one option. If I was in a position to buy and you're in a position to buy, would you partner with me to buy a property because it's the properties in Minnesota where I live and it's just a great property, but like you could buy it on your own, but you'd like to partner just because you'd have someone local you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I lean towards no. Right. Because 
why would I not just go buy that myself? And then, and then pay a property money. manager, now, yeah. Um, where I would say yes is if it was like, okay, you know, we're going to partner up on something. I could go buy this myself, but I, I buy value-add properties. So places that need work done to them. So if it was one of those deals where it's like, okay, we'll partner up on this, we'll buy it, but we're going to pay you to do the work at a significantly reduced rate. Again, kind of comes down to the capital and the money side of things right oh. there. Um, so there, there's a tangible benefit right there. Um, but then, you know, you, you got to have someone that is willing and knowledgeable enough and skilled enough to actually do that work at an acceptable level. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. I've had, we have real estate like hunting properties in my family. And it, there's been a lot of like, I don't personally own any of the family ground. Me and my wife just bought the 40-acre farm, so obviously we own 100% of that. But the rest of like the 650 acres that we have to hunt in our family is all multi-owner, multi like mul multiple stakes, multiple interests, multiple different ideas. Um, some people are full-time farmers, so they want to farm everything tillable. Some people don't farm at all, and they just want to hunt everything tillable. And and I don't have any stake. I just do a lot of the work and I hunt the property, which is very fortunate. But it's led to me like realizing like I don't know if I want to buy things with partners anymore, because you always like I just maybe have a bad taste in my mouth that you're always going to end up butting heads. Yeah, I mean all my stuff is just me, and I enjoy it on one hand because something needs to be done. I do it very liquid how I move, but there's times where I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to deal with this now. It's yeah, I suppose. I can't, I can't share the headaches. It's the headaches that you. Yeah. I feel like that's the part that wouldn't get shared though. Like neither one, like no, neither you or your partner are going to want to deal with the headache. So no, but it's just as long as you have, if you had the right partner and everyone was 50, 50 it, it for makes sure. It easier when you're both in the trenches together at least. Yeah. Versus like, God, I always deal with the problem. This dude's always gone. It's like, Oh, sorry, I can't, I'm on a work trip. Mm -hmm. And then you just get like that sour taste and it like, I don't know. I always kind of viewed it as like, I have my partner, like my wife, like, because we both have high income jobs. And so once we're ready, like, I feel like financially we'll have what we need. Like, yeah, more money would always be great. But if we could get started and do it on our own, maybe that's the best strategy. I feel like you're kind of past the point of like needing a partner. Once you get, like, you're at that 10 unit threshold, like, yeah. you're a DECA. Usually it's referred to as like DECA billionaire, but. <laughs> no, it's, it's exciting. And, you know, for me, it's just how I started. That's how I was able to leverage. Yeah. Um, I always talk to people because it's I, I always claim there's three biggest biggest expenses in everyone's lives. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Brian. You have divorce. No expenses. That that would be like a life situation. <laughs> I'm a guy. So you're talking like, like expenses. So like mortgage. So house. Yes. Yeah. Housing would be number two. What's number one then? Jesus, taxes. Yeah, one, two, oh. taxes is number one. I yeah, think okay. I told you this before. I don't think I have. I could probably guess. So taxes, housing, and I would say now it's probably cars or yeah, so healthcare. Fancy vehicle. Okay. So for me, I looked at that and I go, you know, housing is your everyone's like second. When you think about it, like your mortgage and everything, like that's a big expense. So I was able to cross that off the list. And you know, when you're doing real estate, the tax benefits that go along with that. They're pretty good. Yeah, because when I buy these places, in the first year I buy it, you know, I have to rehab, I put all this work and a lot of money into it, and on paper I make it look like it was a massive loss. Yeah. The duplex I bought last year, I put 
like 20, 25 grand into it. And that was end of the year. And it looked like negative 25K on paper. Which. So your income taxes were almost zero from your W 2s. So to keep in mind, everyone here has a W 2. Yes. 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 That's what we're talking about. So your your losses count against your W 2. So real estate, the max you can, I mean, just in the real estate world, is 25K that you can take off for losses. Without being a real estate professional. Yes. So what, how I work that is that my W-2, you know, as positive as that is, that went against that, brought it down. Right. So I got a lot of tax savings off of that. Twenty, Basically 25% yes. of the 25 grand. Yeah. Is what you, true dollars save. Obviously, you have the whole equity of yeah. the 25, but, though. I mean, when you look at it, like on paper, I can go, oh, look at this, it was terrible, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But the equity sitting there is tremendous that it's, you were going to do it anyway. Like, that's the whole point. Like, you're yeah. going to rent this. You're going to get higher rents. You have higher equity. Well, that's the other thing, too. So many people just look at the cash flow of going into real estate. Right now, it is hard to make. It's tough. It, it's tough with, to go out and with, buy a place right yeah. now. Just say, you know, conventional loan, single family place, and go and try to make 10% is very difficult right now, at least in the market where I'm yeah, at. Especially for a single, and, like a secondary home, like we're talking close to 8% right now. On more, you're talking interest rates. Interest rates, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's easy. Yeah. Profit, yeah. Well, yeah. So you, you say okay. Let's say you know you run all the numbers, you got a good deal, and it's gonna cash flow, you know, seven percent cash on cash ROI. And people just say, oh, well, well, I can go make that the stock market. I'll just put in S and P five hundred index funds and right. That why would I buy real estate and have to deal with you know tenant calls, toilets, all that stuff? But the tax benefits are very often overlooked. You got the loan pay down, which mm-hmm. you know starting off is going to be slow, but you got that equity that's being built right there. Hopefully, cash flow on top of that. Mm-hmm. At least not negative. Right market, buy the right property in the right market. You got appreciation as well. Yes, that's why I was talking to you the last time we talked last week, where I was like, obviously I'm on the outside, so I don't really have any experience. But would it not be a bad idea to look now if you have the cash, and if like this property is like. I don't know, within a hundred bucks of cash flowing with 8% rates, you could buy it as an appreciation play if it's in the right spot because there's going to be a lot less competition right now too. The competition is... Like, like when you were starting out, we had like, what, 2 and 3% rates and you're yeah. fighting against every Mark Bushy in the marketplace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I I'm, I'm, don't consider myself an expert at all. Uh, I think I know... Yeah, if you if you calculate, we we have, have an average of seven units a piece here. Edit, edit, <laughs> edit that part out. We're all experts here. So. Yeah, we have uh, seven unit average. I, we don't have to get into details of who brings the units to the table. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three horse stalls. Real estate good, no real estate bad. Uh, but I think it's one of those things where I, I have the opinion that it's always time to buy. It's always time uh, to buy. But my buying criteria changes, and you know. I still try to stick to a conservative underwriting. So that means I just haven't bought anything in a while right now. I had an investor tell me he's never looked back and said that was a bad deal, right? Because when he first, he told me the story, when he first got in the market, he bought these two fourplexes. That's what I was going to say. Time in market is more important than time in the market. There's your platitude for the day. I just heard that on the Bigger Pockets podcast today. Did you listen to the same episode? something that a thousand other people have said in the past week. (laughs) So like his story that he had was he knew he overbought and it was overbought 
terribly. He was like, wow. I like overpaid or bought too many properties? He overpaid. He okay. Two fourplexes that he bought way too hot. And five years later, they appreciated 30, 35%. He's like, well, I guess maybe I did. And that was the same thing when I bought my first place too. I was, I remember looking back at it going, wow, I overpaid. But I was okay with it being it was my primary residence as well. I'm like, well, I guess I need a place to live. Yada, yada, yada. Well, looking back at it, I go, that was a steal. Well, it was a steal. Also, considering what you do, like, you have a very good job. So, like, even if you, this was just your house and you didn't rent it out at all, with your job and your income, like, this was still, like, yeah. a very wise financial. Like, no one would have given you shit for your income and what you were paying for a mortgage, they would have been like, I don't know, you could have probably bought a nicer place, Tyler. Like, you make a lot of money. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people do. They're like, how much do I make? How much can I afford? I'm going to spend about 5% more than that, and I'm going to pinch pennies. Yeah. Well, it's tough for people that buy that first house. Like, I kind of spot you're in, Brian, where... There goes the cash. You, it's going to take you a little time to get into the, into the game. Well, that's why I'm trying to find ways like how can I shorten the time to get into the game mm -hmm. and that's where I'm coming up with all these ideas where you guys are like well it could work I mean it's definitely not what we do but talking about like short-term Airbnb VRBO RV properties where I I could buy a lot if I could find like a $50,000 lot you can get last time I looked which everything could have changed now that the market's different but you could get like 10% 20% down on land loans mm -hmm. for 10 to 20 30 years like, like you're you're your debt servicing is going to be pretty small yeah. on a lake lot. If you can find, I mean, lake lots for 50 grand don't really exist, but if you can find the right lot and then you can go to like camping world and you could probably buy a 0% down RV and you, like, obviously you're not doing a hundred thousand dollar fifth wheel. You could get like a used 10, $15,000 camper, spend a couple grand on furbishing it and, and rent uh, like, probably not reno, but maybe like maybe paint, like you don't want that stupid, like, a patio out there with a fireplace. Yeah, patio, fireplace, picnic table, maybe a couple of like like what you have here, like home is where you hang the antlers, like stuff like that, creature comforts. Yeah, make Abby do the decoration though. I don't know if you've got that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Abby's much better at it than me. But yeah, you could be into it for maybe five hundred dollars a month. You put it on Airbnb and you're getting hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars a night. I mean we had podcast, I think it was episode eleven, we met an elk hunter. Me and my brother met this kid in Montana elk hunting. He shot a bull, was tracking it. We talk, uh, hang out for a little bit. He, you know, every, uh, comes up, what do you guys do? And he's like, I actually, like, I, I do, like, this whole life insurance. He's one of those people that manages a life insurance team, which it seems like, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't understand how many people are managing, like, life insurance teams. Mm -hmm. But he goes, but my main thing that I'm excited about is I have four of these RV properties and six turtle car rentals, and I'm, I'm netting, like, 14000 a month in the summer. And yeah, and he's like, I th I picked this as a way to get into real estate faster than buying a house because I didn't have the money to buy a house. Now I'm like, why would I ever buy a house? Why don't I just go put one of these in every major destination across America? And the cool thing about that is you can do that 100% remotely. You can do it. He did it. He self-managed everything the first year. The second year, he figured out how to like, he has a cleaning lady that just charges a flat fee no matter how long the stay was. So it's 85 bucks, and he just sends that to the people through Airbnb. Like the cleaning fee is $85. He has a guy come and pump the above ground septic, like a portable septic tank. He just has it pumped like every month. He has a guy come out and do the propane like once a season. And he rents, he rents his ground from his dad, so he's got power and water on site. So you have to do some of that. But yeah, he's like, I don't, I don't really know why I'd get fixed 
like fixed structure real estate if this is working so well for me and if things go south i just sell all my campers and sell the land and yeah that or five years down the road you put 20 grand in that camper five years in it's trash who cares you made probably six figures off of it exactly that's what he said he's like i'm gonna fully depreciate a camper in five years but i'm gonna make way more money in cash flow because he was outside of bozeman so he's outside of Yellowstone on rivers. He's he was doing twenty eight to twenty nine nights a month booked at one hundred and seventy five dollars a night. How much a night? One hundred and seventy five. All year? No, just in the it just in his season. So it was like I don't know May to October, May to September. But he's like, yeah, fourteen grand a month in the summer pays a lot of debt servicing in your off months. I mean, yeah, fourteen grand five months, seventy grand a year. Key tourist area. Right, which I'm not expecting to get that where I am, but it's like if I could just do something to get started, if I can buy the right lot, and then the first camper books out, and I I structure the lot in a way that I could put maybe a second and a third camper on the same lot. I was talking to you earlier. I feel like effective, like this is very napkin math, but I feel like my like it would be a linear cut on my cap rate. Like if I added two units for one set of bills, my cap rate should double, right? I mean, there's a million and one different ways to make money my own personal experience like i said it's been very not sexy now am i trying to learn some more of those creative ways to do it because the market's tough right now yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um I, I i still think so many and this is why i agree that the first property is the hardest for most people because i've talked to so many people that talk about getting into real estate and never do this or doing that and when it boils down to it they've all always got an excuse for something it's mm-hmm. not enough money it's not the right time. It's not enough of something. Too I just bought a house. I just got married. I still have a truck. I still have my wife's student loans. Probably the four things I started the so, podcast with. That's where I would say, I mean, yeah, we, we talked about this before. I was like, that, that sounds like a great idea. And this is, you know, about the lowest barrier to entry you're going to get. Learn how to do the underwriting on that type of deal right there and do it. Well, I don't even know what the that's underwriting would look like. People will talk about like, well, how do I do real estate? And it not be risky. Don't do real estate. Yeah. Don't do real estate. There, there's risk. Now, with that, that, there would be so little risk, though. Risk. Like you're buying land. Like land prices are the slowest to adjust with any economy. So what's holding you back? The down payment right now. I mean, we just bought a forty-acre farm, so all of our cash went away. Looking at it, though, like you could do something. Let's say you bought that in first of the year, right? Even like a lake lot that wasn't. Yeah, you needed some work into it. Well, I think the part that gets me, so there's two things. Like when I think about real estate, I would like to, I know a lot of people don't buy their properties where they live. I mean, it's very, you listen to Bigger Pockets, and tons of people are buying in all markets across America. Mm-hmm. I just would really like to get started with where I live and be able to like see what I bought. You know what's crazy? Yeah. I thought that way too. The two duplexes I have in West Fargo, which is what, eight miles from where we sit right now, I haven't been to those properties in about a year. Yeah, but you have, like, you, you're right. It's an excuse. But for me, though, I have that mentality as well. But I'm sitting here going, I have properties in my backyard that I don't even know if they're standing. Those things could be burned down. I would have no idea right now. <laughs> well, hopefully one of them doesn't burn down because that's where we're sitting. But, so, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the thing that's stopping me really is, like, we just got married. We just combined finances. We have some stuff we want to clean up. Like, we're doing fine. My wife gets, like, a little bit nervous that we're not making as much progress as we'd like to make every month. And I'm like, well, this is the first month we've ever had combined finances. So 
we made month one and we're panicking (laughs) (laughs) well it's like we made like we made four figures of progress towards our goals for a single month's budget and so i'm like that's pretty darn good like i've had months where i went the other direction by Mm -hmm. the same amount so Mm -hmm. and she's like well it should have been like this much more and i'm like well let's just like track it we'll start watching it but yeah, it's it's really like we want to get the emergency savings done, which I want to do too because that's going to make her feel a lot more comfortable with taking a risk, is having an emergency savings like funded, are you, set are aside. You against OPM, other people's money. No, I fucking would love other people's money. I, I never bring my wallet anytime I go out to eat with my dad. Have you tried to find that? <laughs> no, I haven't. And it's part of it is uh, there's a little bit of a time like. I am busy between traveling for my day job and doing two of these podcasts. And excuse number 72 today. Oh, there's going to be a lot of excuses <laughs> coming. But the, so the thing is with my market near my house, like I'm in the Twin Cities, I'm, I'm almost scared to start looking at what like some of these duplexes and triplexes would cost in the Twin Cities because I think they're going to start with unattractive numbers. Not even that. That's a whole new market with... And there's rent lock in the Twin Cities metro, so that's like something you got to work around yeah, and understand. Just, uh, without getting into the political battles, yeah, that it's a very blue state. state is it's a very blue state. Garbage it's for, a very blue state, which is not me, fun. In North Dakota, we were talking about this earlier. I have a tenant that's causing a number of issues. I was able to put eviction notices out this morning. Today? Yeah, today. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> are they listen? And are they in this structure? No, they're right there. No, that's a different structure. Don't don't talk too loud. Yeah, don't talk too loud. I would feel more comfortable buying in this state, in this town, because I know more people in this. That's the other thing. I don't know any property managers. I don't know anybody. So it's a hiccup. You sound afraid of Brian, especially in your neck of the woods. Like, in your, you've got those areas that are close by where you could find like a not sexy lake lot. And now I have the, unfortunately, this gets back to the saving money as fast as I want. Now I do have a nice green tractor to use to clean yeah, up some yeah. stuff. <laughs> there you go. You go and yeah. spend the spring cleaning it out. And let's say it's year one. It's just, you know, getting it prepped and stuff. And yeah. put it on a 30-year note. And you're like, hey, this is just. Yeah, 200 bucks a month. month. Like, yeah. But you get, it, you get it prepped that first year. And then you go all in. That's what I want to get to is like, hey, can we like. I mean, I would, I would love to do that. I mean, out in North Dakota here, I don't have the the properties to do that. I mean, I could put it out on a put a camper out on an eighty acre field in January, thirty below zero. I don't think anyone would come out to it. Pheasant hunters would be all over that. <laughs> but other than that, you have the luxury of doing some of that fun stuff, being more in a having the touristy options. I don't have that here. That's and you probably don't have much of that either. No, you were looking at Ozarks. So it's pretty, pretty black and white. I mean, I, I'm trying to get into that um I'm, I'm trying to scale faster so that's where i'm you know looking at some you want to partner on some like properties or, uh, <laughs> yeah I, honestly something that uh you know a little bit higher risk for sure but uh that's also higher reward and, yeah. i don't know i'm not afraid of risk so you know some of that stuff on airbnb you look at it they put like a tp tent out there that yeah like a wall tent you put a thousand dollars and some the real camping experience? Yeah, some hippies will go out there and think it's the coolest thing ever. Well, that's why I thought with the market I'm in, I have like two or three million people that, like, most of the people in the Twin Cities don't own campers. And maybe they're like half outdoorsmen. Like, they're probably not, the average person's definitely not as outdoorsy as we are. No. But they might be like, yeah, I remember camping with my dad and I'd really love to, like, 
break my kids camp in, but they don't, but they don't, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Like it's within short driving distance and it's like, you can get all the experience of camping with none of the headaches. You just show up, everything's there. You go home, you don't have to like dump your, your black water in your RV and, you know, store a camper in your driveway in your subdivision all year long. So I thought it would be like, it very, that's why I'm very attracted. And I feel like it's an idea where I could maybe do it with 20 grand instead of a hundred grand because it's going to just take me five times as long to save up a hundred grand. You wouldn't even need a hundred though. No, to buy like a, like a, like a triplex or oh, something like that in the twin cities. Yeah. That, that would be, that would be tough. And you would have a lot of headaches with it where worst case you, you know, get a weekend destination thing and it's a headache tenant. Well, you're going to be gone in two days. Goodbye. I'll never see you again. And to to right. this point earlier, like if you're, you're doing things right you don't see the property unless you really want to yeah no i don't want to see the property and but that's why I, and it's as long a, as you're familiar with the market in red state well that's the hard part is like it's hard to get familiar market, with that market um, that you're not familiar with but i i wouldn't let that shy me away if it's like well I, obviously i own properties that are everywhere six hours away from yeah. where i live but you were um, grew up in that area right right i am familiar enough with the area and that's the other thing too that's the you're, you're never gonna have every box checked and every question no. answered. That's no. that's like the the engineers. But I need nemesis, to. I need to be able to present the idea with every box check to my partner to have the go ahead. <laughs> and that's really true. Like I'm married. I'm the only one here that's married. I don't think that's true when you're talking like five figures. I think that's true when you're like, hey, I spent five hundred bucks. Hey, honey, I messed up in the office. Find the receipt on the table. Still have no idea. I don't think that's true. Just, just wait a month until the first rent check comes in. I think she's on board in theory. I think she would just like to be a lot more patient and take care of a lot of other things first and get more to like an indestructible personal finances state before we start doing that. And I'm more like... How long has she been working again? A month and a half. A month and a half. Two months. We'll, we'll give her a little time. <laughs> but to be fair, she just got done with residency too. Yeah, so she's just starting her life. Month and, a half. and now I'm like, yeah, let's save all of our money and put it towards this other thing. And let's continue to not have much of a life. And she's like, I just spent eight years not having a life. I, I want a life now. So that's part. I, look at it from her side too. I mean, I get that. It's, yeah. But I'm not saying, like, that's the, but, but, that's the beauty of that idea, is I don't need to do but, that. But, I mean, for, for you, though, like, in your situation, like, I mean, there's sacrifice no matter what you do, right? And for me, I look at it for me, it's like, I've been stuck in this triplex here for the last five years. Yeah, that's the other, like, I'm not really not mad. Like, the choices I've made got me to a dream farm within working it, distance of it, my wife's hospital. Exactly, where I'm still here going, I'm still here, and I will be for a little bit yet, like... Yeah, I remember talking to you after you bought your duplex, and you're like, the next house I buy is for me, yeah, and that I, didn't work. No. <laughs> snuck in two more there, so I screwed that up. But because that round check is addicting. Oh, yeah. Those roommate checks were addicting. I mean, I was doing two-thirds of my mortgage on that house I had in West Fargo with roommates at one point because I had two roommates paying 500 bucks a night. Or 500 bucks a month. Well, a night. I don't, I don't, <laughs> it was one hell of an experience. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's kind of the what's hold. I, I feel like I could maybe make that a twelve month goal realistically. So I don't, I don't remember the exact dollar amount. Whenever I bought my the first house that you know I lived in with the intentions of you know fixing that, flipping it, renting it out, doing whatever with that, 
I think it was like fourteen thousand dollars that I had in my account. Cash? Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to get more into OPM. It was it was under fifteen thousand dollars. I know that I put three or five percent down on the property. And then for the first little while, I was like, okay, well, I need to have at least $1,000 in my account. And I have to have a four-digit account number to feel like you're Like this I is your pretty, living account, like your personal yeah, checking. This is my personal, because like I said, I was going paycheck to paycheck rehabbing that house. Yeah. Now, I got it all fixed up in six months. And that's, I think that's the other thing, too, is, you know, finding what your competitive advantage is. Yours is working all night long, working on construction, that's for sure. I go work eight hours a day for the company that I work for, and then I go work another eight doing my own thing. Um, So I I could, you know, I just grew up uh, poor in Missouri, which, you know, had the perks of you had to do everything yourself. So I knew how to do a lot of that stuff. Missouri. Um, Yeah, buddy. Uh, But, so that's where I was like, okay, well, I can do a lot of this stuff myself. I don't have to hire it out. But for a long while there, I was like, all right, paycheck just came in. I can go buy some tile now and do the shower. You look back, though, that was fun being uncomfortable. Oh, exactly. Yep. That's even, the, for me, with this last one I bought, and it snuck up quick. Like, I did not pursue this tunnel and murder the deal that I'm like, I can't pass up, right? It's another neighboring property, the one that I have. I drained a lot. And I looked <laughs> at the reserve account, and it had big flashing red empty on it. I'm like, oh, this sucks, right? Um, but being a, you go through that, and you're like, well, this is gonna be uncomfortable for a couple months. Well worth it. Yeah. But you are right though. You, you get you get comfortable like, with being uncomfortable. You, you do, but I I looked at it and I went, you know, if something happens, I gotta have a backup plan. And I mean, literally, if, if I would have had shit hit the fan on me, I probably would have had a liquidated place. I mean, that's just kind of the risk you run. Yeah, I rolled the dice, and we're fine. Like we're rolling right now. Things are good, but. <laughs> Yeah, because I have, like, I listen to all these people, like Chris Crone, I think I've heard a lot of his stuff, and he's like, yeah, you should have, like, $10,000 in an emergency, like, a real estate backup fund for your first property, and then 5000 for every property after that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that was our pencil. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this could take me forever to buy my first freaking property. Yeah. People that do that, though, it's like, you don't, you scale at the rate you do. I mean, for me right now, like I said, two months ago, I bought this place, and things were at flashing red empty and it's still on the it's on the top cusp of empty right now but i don't have those reserves either do you do either of you follow like the dave ramsey personal finance I, I was just gonna say you know there's so many people and don't get me wrong well, according, to, a, according to dave ramsey i'd still be uh living in a cardboard box uh saving up for my first place so well, not quite <laughs> all of the dave but like the whole like have three to six months of an emergency I account saved that's what me and my wife are trying to get to, which unfortunately, after the house but, and property we bought, that's a big account. You just got to say, hey, I'm going to roll the dice on this and go, I'm going to go a couple months without. And that's where I'm at right now. There's a there's yeah. a lot of people that could learn a lot from listening to Dave Ramsey. Now, that said. If Dave Ramsey was sitting with us right now, he'd be just. If if I had waited to save up 20% just stupid. <laughs> to buy my first house that I bought for 172 it would have been worth 250 by the time I was able to buy it at 20% down, and I was able to just add that value myself. Yeah. Dave Ramsey's more of a guy that, yeah, I'm absolute broke in multiple... I think it's for people that don't understand. Yeah. Where if you were to, like, where's your money go? Like, you could probably say, well, it's like, this much goes here, this much goes yeah. here, this... I mean, and we're, we're in a situation that's, where we're yeah. very positive, pointing in the right direction, all of that. 
Well, the problem is none of us, if we wouldn't have to do a damn thing, and we would all retire in 40 years as two percenters. Yeah. I mean, so real probably one percenters. Jump off the cliff and build the parachute later. Build it on the way down? I'm still soaring without the parachute. I'm, <laughs> still, I'm still looking for it. I'm, just looking, I'm just looking off the cliff like, this is a great view. I'm happy here. <laughs> I'm well, I remember distinctly, you brought me to a meeting with Jody Bach, but Mark Bushy was there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, you should meet this guy. Because I was always going back and forth with you. Like, I think that was in my heavy Dave Ramsey years. I was like, I don't know if I feel great about having that much debt. And I'm like, I don't know. And so you're like, well, I'm doing real estate. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do business. I'm going to start my own businesses. And we're, I'm going to chase that trail. And you're like, good luck. You're smart dude. Like, you'll probably do well, fine. You, where you were at the time was probably okay. Because I went the other extreme when I started with the whole um, Robert Kiyosaki. He was on the other side of the spectrum. And look where that got me this early, too. So Yeah, I mean, the business. I've, I'm well into the four figures. Probably now not well. I yeah, I've probably done twenty five thousand on my little side projects since I started, which I started with two hundred seventy dollars. Yeah, and I remember when you because that's when you were really heavy in the beard oil stuff. And I still do the beard oil for anyone listening. You can still go buy beard oil for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't link, talk about it as much. <laughs> there is a link posted below, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I started with the beard oil business. But you remember, and I quick on that, you remember when COVID was going on and that COVID relief thing you got that massive check. You got out of it wasn't that big. It was still a check. I got nine hundred dollars from the PPP. Still. And but I got I got six thousand dollars that year in tax returns with Josh, and nine hundred of it was the PPP loan. But then the rest of it was what really happened was the the business on paper lost so much money the year we lost, which it really didn't. Like a lot of it was just like marketing, which was me going on the things I was already going to do like out west, but I was bringing a camera and I was posting and creating content, which counted as marketing for the business. So I rode off like 15,000 miles on my pickup at 59 cents a mile. Your hunting trips were right off. Not all of it, just the miles. Like Josh was like, I'm not going to write off your guns. I'm not going to write off your tags. I'm not going to write off hotels, Like, but I'll write off the miles. Because I told him like where my risk tolerance was for getting audited. And that's what he decided to do. But what that did was lowered my lowered my tax. Coming out with a bourbon and honey jerky flavor, whiskey is going to be a tax write-off. There you go. It wrote it lowered my W two income to the point where I qualified for like a hundred percent of all of the stimulus checks. Otherwise, I would have got nothing. I've made too much money at my day job. I think I got twenty dollars on the first one. That was it. Yeah, I got. I think that was three thousand dollars worth of COVID money between PPP and all the payments, and then like. $3,000 of tax return on my W-2, yeah. which I paid for my fiance's wing at the time with cash, which was a big fucking bill. That was the biggest check I've ever written in my life other than the house at that point. And I just did it in cash, which I was really happy about at the time. Actually, I'm still happy about it. I would have never wanted to loan, take a loan out on a rent. The thing is, though, you, I mean, just doing what you did there, and we're talking you know, real estate kind of stuff that we did, but I mean, that right there, what you did, and still working on, well, yeah, like that's, that's awesome. The last, yeah, you can't be complaining because yeah. I have a dear, like the dream house with the property. Yeah, I have but, two podcasts, yeah, the business, I'm talking kind of like your, that business stuff that you did, and like, like just just look at beard oil for example. Like you did pretty fair on that. Well, I would say really well on it. And what was your risk? Nothing. Not 
I did. It was two hundred seventy dollars of BioLife money at the time. Like literally, I was doing BioLife. I'm like, I had two hundred. I I had more. It, I I say like, oh, I had two hundred. I, I started I started with two hundred seventy dollars. It's not like I was broke. I just chose to only spend two hundred seventy dollars because that's all it took to start. But yeah, now it's things are going well. The podcast, not this. I started this podcast, but then I got the Western Rookie, which. I was just offered to take over a podcast that does 200,000 downloads a year, which is the, the advertising rate on a download, like the CPM is $20 per thousand views. So that's the, so basically you could do, you could easily justify a $4,000 yearly sponsorship and a podcast can probably handle three to four yearly sponsorships. So, yeah, like you said, like, I just chose a different route that didn't scale or grow as quite as fast. But See, I, I, it's not like it was a mistake. Like, none of us have made any mistakes. I just chose a different path that has got different results along the way. No, but for me, I'm looking at it going, I wish I would have came up with something like that as well. I've done a lot more other stuff than reno houses in the last five years. Yeah. I, I think you're doing all the right things. I think you just need to get your underwriting down on paper say, okay, here's the risk level that I'm comfortable with, or here's what I'm looking at, and this is the risk level of that, and then then pull the trigger. Can you realistically do zero cash down in today's market with a fixed structure real estate property and have it cash flow? Depends on the relationship that you have with your lender. What you mean is like, when you say other people's money, it's either the seller's financing or like, I have a angel investor, and then I'm so, re- um, right for for your folks that waited until fifty five minutes in to listen to this. Uh, so subject to there's couple it's T O not number two by the way. Yeah, not uh, it's like not subject to Tyler Schmidt. T O subject to lending. A um, couple of different ways this works right here. Um, the most common way that people are probably gonna be familiar with is assuming responsibility for an existing mortgage payment. Okay. Um, this is. Typically, in fact, we can do this with very immature loans. Uh, some haven't been hasn't been paying down on it too much. They're in a sticky situation. They need to get out of that payment. So basically, you can do deed transfer, deed transfer, and assume their loan payment. I don't know all the details on it because I haven't done that before. Um, but that would not work. For example, the other extreme, a guy who's got one year left, like uh, he would. There would no, be zero right. incentive for them to do that. That's right. where creative okay. finance comes into play which you would have to do something seller finance or right like you said before angel investing stuff like that i know um bill you mentioned like the lender the last these last two that i bought i had the spread on it where it was 20 percent below appraised value yeah and the lender is like they love seeing that well they do but he would not budge on down payment, he goes, you have X number listed on the, oh, okay. on the purchase agreement. Really? You're, yes, you, you have to give me 20%. See, that's the complete opposite of what I'm going to describe as the other way of doing subject to lending. So the second to last place that I bought um, that I'm actually still rehabbing right now, bought it for um, actual purchase price was, I, I don't know, somewhere around 170 um, but then they lended on what the rehab value. So they actually did an ARV appraisal. We said, hey, here's the finished levels we're going to do. This is the work that we're going to do. It's going to be this amount of square footage, this bed, bath count. Uh, whenever we're all done with that, and then they appraised it uh, basically based on those assumptions right there. And then they lended on, I don't know, 85-ish 
percent of what that ARV would be. Oh. So I actually got paid forty thousand dollars to buy that house. That forty thousand dollars is paying for all the rehab work that I'm doing. Yeah, right. Mm. So that's is that under your name, or did you have an LLC? That started under an LLC. Yeah. One thing I do have to be like. Yeah, that, that was on the commercial side. Yeah. yeah. One thing I have to be very realistic about. Is I I can I will not be able to do it the way you do it like with the amount of time yeah, you that, put into that's it. Uncommon there, like I said, that's where having a relationship with a lender. Uh, well, that part's fine. I'm just saying, like, if I'm being realistic with my wife, and if I am not willing to give up hunting and podcasting and my own business, like I'm not going to be able to put as it's much rent on time. Yeah, it's a lot. Like I would probably need to buy stuff that is more turnkey and I'm going to have less return. Like you, you force yeah, equity. I'm not going to be able that. to force and equity. That, that's fine. You know that. I just have to make that into my underwriting. Your, your search criteria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That second one I bought, it was six month rehab. I mean, we were talking about earlier, Brian. Jeez. And by the end of it, I was just so burnt out and went on a two month bender. <laughs> We're doing ayahuasca off the Alaskan highway. No, it was. Uh, yeah, we we wrapped that thing up, and you could find me puddled up someplace. It was, it was so I just have to be aware of that. That's what I like about the whole RV idea is like, I could get into it with my skill set. Like I, chainsaws, tractors, I can do that stuff. I, you could have fun with it too. You know, well, you, I would. You talk about the partnership stuff, and that first one that I bought with my partner, uh, I had broken a tendon snapped the tendon in my thumb. I was just out of surgery when I was rehab. So my whole hand was in a cast for a month and we were doing electrical during that time. So he was always the one up in the attic climbing around up there throwing wires and he was worked out. Yep, yep. He he got the short end of the stick there. Yeah. I would like to do, like, I'm very interested in the contract for deed. My dad sold a lot of real estate on contract for deed. And he's actually got a property right now that he's like, I don't know. I'd... He sold it to a nonprofit. They made him a member of the board as a part of the sale. But he sold a contract for deed. And now the nonprofit is kind of like running a little bit late. And so he's like, I, I really believe in the nonprofit, but, you know, if they can't pay the bill. Like, they can't pay the bill. And I'm like, why would you be worried about that dad they put like two hundred thousand dollars worth of work into your shop and if they default you get it back and you yeah. get to sell it again but he's just like he doesn't want he's he wants to retire like he just wants to be done yeah so those are great deals if you find them but i never came across one right i think you'd have to knock on a sh- like more doors than knocking on even, for white till per ground that, that, the, that two properties of that duplex i bought that was from a you know older gal and I brought it up to her, and she's like, "Why would I wait? You know, you to those terms for you to pay that off completely in other time? You know, it didn't make sense with interest rates and everything. It was such a good deal just to go through the the bank. But she's like, I'll take that money right now, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you think about it, like you need the you need someone that under like for my dad, he wanted to sell them all because he didn't want the tax bill. Like if he was going to sell it, he owned it for so long, and he had depreciated it out as an asset. He would have had like a six-figure tax bill, and so he's like, "I don't want that. I, I really don't want that." Like I, he offered it to them, like, "Hey, I will sell this to you on contract for deed." That's a special situation where you have something like that. Where you have someone where it's like I've heard on the bigger pockets they've talked about. I can't pretend it's my idea because everyone will call me out on it. But they've talked about like someone where they're doing like um, 
succession planning and he's like i don't want my kids to get this check at one time like i want them to get a monthly check so they don't blow it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm still trying to buy it i haven't talked too much about all that succession planning you just met a girl i feel like it's a while before you can start planning out how you're going to give it to your kids precisely <laughs> math checks out which is another strong thing in your favor up until now you've been single or single-ish have for a while. So that like you can't just spend eight nights, eight hours a night renoing houses when you're married. All on board, and she also happens to be. Oh yeah, a get this. Project manager for a commercial real estate developer. Really. So <laughs> on top of just being solid as a rock, uh, she she also brings some uh, some more competitive advantage to the table. What are the chances she's going to listen to this podcast organically? Oh man. Zero. Yeah, I would say zero. Zero point one. Zero. <laughs> but if she does, you gotta, you just, you, you got some brownie points on that. <laughs> you know, gotta, gotta throw it out there. Do what I can to help myself a little bit. Do you foresee yourself doing big commercial down the road? I can see it. You that's tried, everyone, didn't you? Everyone, I feel like that's like a everyone that thinks about that is a stepping stone, right? We're working yeah. with these smaller multi-families in one day. Which are, which are great. Yeah. They're fantastic. But that's where I'm kind of at the point now where it's like, especially with doing so much. I've been trying to hire out more work, but it's it's tough. It, it's hard to make the numbers work. Doing the work myself, let alone hiring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to a lot more scalability. It's easier to scale mm-hmm. whenever you go to those bigger properties. Because you, you got one roof to replace now for 20 units. Yeah. Of, well, I, thought, I think I heard... Someone saying Fargo, like all these apartments, Fargo is really heavy in apartment buildings. Yeah, they're building heavy. Yeah. And I heard someone say like when they build a new apartment building, it's 50% vacancy or 50%, it doesn't matter, occupancy pays the debt. So the other 50% is just gravy. And I feel like a lot of our apartment buildings are probably at like 100% occupancy. So That's crazy though, because for me, 10 units, I was at 50%. I'm not making money with that. Well, that's because of the scale. They're a hundred unit, yeah. you know, Maybe and they're and they're freaking expensive. Like these two and three bedroom apart, like these nice ones over in like West Fargo. Yeah, two bedroom West Fargo. That's pretty solid. You're thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks a month. Which yeah, so fifty units. You're talking like sixty five grand a month is the debt, and then you have sixty five grand a month in income if you're at hundred percent occupancy. Yeah, but yeah. I see what you're saying. But do you mean like there's a lot of different types of commercial. I'm most interested in industrial commercial, like a five-plex shop where I rent it out to an electrician, a plumber. There's a, there's a lot of things that I want to do that I haven't done yet. Same here. Um, we so, just talked about all the things I want to do that I haven't yeah. done yet. Yep. So, 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 I mean, I, I feel all your pain points uh, kind of at a different level myself yeah. with wanting to move on to bigger things that I'm just not – quite familiar with yet myself and I also don't have a million dollars to put down on the kinds of places that you, you would know, need get me excited right exactly. now exactly um, so that, that's one of those things like well what's holding me back okay well capital is part of it could I find the money yeah I think I could find the money um, now you're getting into where you are running the, an entire complex as a business where you have to have an office person you have to have on-site staff 
Yeah. It's a completely different story than having a quadplex duplex single family yeah. that you hire out a property management company to go take care of all that stuff for you. So, Something um, like that. I, and I'm just, I, I, I'm ignorant on some of that stuff. I'm just not going to pretend I'm super familiar with it, but that's kind of yeah. what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Like, all right, how, how do I make this deal? Something like that, though, that you'd be considered like a syndication deal where there's like a hundred people in the deal. A lot of people yeah. involved with it, right? Yep. And they have a, hey, you have an X dollars buy in. And you're silent. Yeah, <laughs> which, which essentially is uh, sometimes okay because if you find the right syndication deal, essentially what they do is they give you a percent guarantee. Well, you were gonna do that, didn't you? Have that all set up? I I, I do that to a small degree. Yeah, it's not actually a syndication. I, I think legally it's not a syndication because that falls under a certain tax code. Yeah. You were just doing that, capital uh, raising. Yeah, so I mean, this is you know basically with how I'm structured, it has to be people that I know. Um, that give me money, and I'm limited to, I don't know, 30 or 50 investors. So I've got two right now. So <laughs> well, I remember not, we were strong. Really a problem, but. Abby and I were strongly looking at that for where should we park our equity while we rent. Yeah. And we just like, ah, we hemmed and we hawed, and then it turns right out, here. well, it turns out it was a good deal because we would have needed it back faster than we thought yeah. to buy the property we bought. But So I have a last topic before we wrap up. My whole point with this podcast is to like obviously chase passions, do what you want to do. But the goal for me, and I think the goal for a lot of people is eventually be getting to do the stuff that they really love to do more. And so for Phil, that very well could be renoing properties and saving money on his shower remodels. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but for me, a little sticker shock on that last but for me, it's definitely hunting and fishing and just doing whatever I want to do, driving a tractor across a food plot. And so I always am torn with like, is this next idea going to get me closer or farther away from that? Because I would argue, well, you two are way farther ahead with, than me on the real estate. I'd argue that. You would? Mm-hmm. You don't think you're farther ahead than me? Well, look at it just real estate, yeah, but there's other ways where you're shining as well. Yeah, there's a way. I mean, like my, my mar- I don't know, my stock market and my 401k yeah. is so you probably have rocking. That you're shining on. But I was going to say, I probably hunt more than both of you. Oh. Yeah, I had to take a year off Probably, because of it. Yeah, I, I haven't been out this year yet because I've been right. down on houses. And so it's like, yeah, there's certain trade-offs. Like you guys both talked about in real estate, like there's trade-offs to this house or that house or this deal or that deal. It's like, well, it's also trade-offs between like renoing a property or like going to Colorado archery elk hunting. And yep. like, that's my true passion is the hunting. So I always have to like weigh, is this going to be like worth it? Because you only get so many years and I'm already, like, I feel like I'm crazy. I'm already worried about like how many years I have left. For me, it's, I, I feel like I'm always going to be busy. Like I, a lot of people think they hit that financial freedom and oh no, I can just get back. And for me, it's like, I, I don't think I'll ever. Yeah, that's not exciting no. to me there. But for me though, I have this goal of you know, going all in, having fun, you know, working and just doing my thing. But at the end of the day going, I don't need a, like the paycheck is nice, but if I don't get it, I'm not gonna like lose sleep over it, right? Like how fun would that be just going doing your job and especially if it's something that you enjoy and going well I got a paycheck that's great but I have all these other investments that are really helping me along you're talking about like being an at-will employee yeah yeah that's I want to get to my first goal is to get to at-will employee mm-hmm. which I think my new goal is like I think by 40 that'd be great I probably wouldn't retire by then but if I could be like if I could replace my day job income with podcasting or anything else 
goal number one. Goal number two would be definitely like I have a team, I call in, I might be in Nebraska at a farm, and they like, hey, we got this issue going on with this property, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, you know what? As long as it's like, I think you've talked about this, where it's like, if it's not $300, don't call me. Just fix it with your yeah, property management company. But I, I feel like that, but like, if it's not like five grand, just fix it. I'm on a hunt. Mm-hmm. But get to that level where you have like that big of a team where you're really just doing whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But I'm like 60 in this scenario. Like, it's going to take me until I'm 50 or 60 to get to that point. But I'm just hunting every day. Like, I might be home and I might go into the office and see the employees. But I might also be in North Dakota managing a property, or I might be fishing in Canada. You know, Is it like it'd be easier to sell the wife on the real estate or the you hunting every day part. Well, she hunts a lot too. <laughs> she just <laughs> bought a brand new Hoyt, and she's hunted our farm more than I've hunted my farm. Really? She tried to shoot a deck. She she tried to shoot a doe off our deck on Sunday night. Because there's deer in the back, there's deer in the backyard. I'm just saying, like, she's probably with me on all these adventures. Yeah. So that it'd be easier to sell. But that's what I'm just always curious about. Like, I have like I have I lean more tech, I lean more product business than real estate. And so I'm a lot more creative, and I have all these ideas. I was like, yeah, I can do that business. I can probably make money. Here's how I could do it. But it's like, well, that's gonna be another X hours a week, and that's like, is that getting me closer? Is that getting me farther away from the? the true goal for me and i don't know like you guys gotta have your true own true goals obviously well, we, like phil's I mean, got a lot more desire that, but uh, i i i think you're dead on the money there because i've got failed businesses too um where i just you know i i, I gotta do this i can make money that i can start a business there i can make money doing this i gotta start a business there uh, and i definitely went through about a you know year-long period where i stretched myself too thin uh, again, was that when you're trying to do the landscaping business too no landscaping something well Whenever I do move back to Missouri, that's definitely something I'm going to pick back up there. So you're going to keep... We never talked about the jerky business. We did not talk about the jerky business. Which lately has been the most annoying business. The jerky that you haven't had yet. Mm. Uh, did you bring any? What's that? Did you bring any on the plane? I, I don't have any with me. That business has been the most annoying one, to be honest. Because every time I'm like, hey, I'm in town. You want to get a beer? You're like, ah, I got a jerky order. That, yeah. Yep. I got to go make some that, jerky. That's been a good problem to have. Um, and I, I'm kind of right on that line of, is it worth it? Because... It makes good money, but I run that operation myself, so it takes a lot of time too. So it's like, am I spending my time the best that I could or should be right now? It's like, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll keep rolling with this. That is intriguing. Yeah. How much jerky have you made in the last year? In the last year, uh, probably four hundred pounds. That's a lot of jerky. Is that? Wet or dry weight? That'd be dry weight there. So that's, that's like 1,200 pounds of flank steak. <laughs> yeah, yep. Takes, takes about, uh, yeah, I, I learned firsthand why jerky is so expensive. Takes uh, takes three pounds of meat to make one pound of product. Wow. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I started this podcast for was to make a marketing arm for my beard oil and my products, which I've successfully done. Now I need to start following through on that design since the new podcast is big enough. But then I wanted to roll that into like aver- like actual digital advertising dollars and then see if I can grow that business and product line to the point where like that's like making good money and then use that to fund the real estate and then use the real estate to fund like I love stocks. I love investing. We're talking about it at dinner. I'm beating the S&P by like nine points for the last two quarters. Yeah, and like what I said before, you're not doing real estate right now, but you're doing a lot of stuff that I'm not doing. Well, yeah, but I'm not doing it to the point to replace your real estate. Unless you, like, I don't know what your 401k is. My 401k is 
really good for my age. Yeah, which that's probably better than my age. Probably is better than mine, but it's, I'm, I'm almost double my income, and I'm 28. That's pretty good. Sounds good. Yeah, which they the industry average was like if you can get one times your income by 30, like that's what they say you should have for retirement. So yeah, I'm like by that metric, I'm doing great. But yeah. I can't. The problem is I can't use it until I'm 69 and a half or whatever the age oh, is. is I was looking on the way down here, like I could take out a loan from my 401k and buy real estate. I, I think you just gotta ask yourself: Is if is the stuff that you're doing making you is, it, is that getting you towards the goal that you want to achieve? If yes, and it's doing it at the rate that you the want. rate part's the problem. I want I want everything faster. I'm never satisfied. We always want it to move. Yeah, I want it faster. Real estate, doing it the right way at least, is not a get rich. Well, I don't want to get rich fast with real estate. I want to get my first property faster. That's fair. Okay. I want to be, I, I completely agree with the whole time in markets better than time in the market. I, and I, like compound interest is like my favorite topic in the world. I just want to start it now. Like if I could get, if I could put 20 grand into a deal and get the same as a single family house for 100 grand in cash, like that would just let me scale that faster. Like if I can make 500 bucks a month or, you know, five, an average of 500 bucks a month throughout the entire year. So $1,200 a month through the summer season with a fifth of the amount of cash, like it'd be a great start for me. That's what I was thinking. You just got to ask yourself, is it moving you in the right direction? And are you happy with how you're spending your time? Cause I mean, I got 24 hours in a day. I think that's how many we got. So because you could hunt a lot less, sell your truck, Get rid of the payment. Right. A bunch of other stuff. Sell the tractor, shovel that snow. That gets you there faster. Uh, objectively, that gets you there <laughs> It does. That would be your first is property that, right is that the sacrifice that you're willing to make? If not, that's fine. Yeah, that's, fine. that's the problem. It doesn't have to be. There's, there's no right answer. My truck's not that nice. <laughs> you see that little bottle. It's got a, my truck's got more miles on it than your truck does. Yours does? Yeah, so that's 10 years newer. I have 184,000 on it. Yeah, you don't need these by a lot. Yeah. But you, you have a company car, which is nice. Exactly. I think if I was dead serious on this, I would probably switch jobs to something that I get paid per hour, like real estate and sales, marketing, anything that I have like an unlimited earning potential. Because there's like, I could work 80 hour weeks, but that's probably not going to pay off at my current job for years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'd increase my income. I'd try to get rid of as many debts as possible, and then I'd spend every day you know, convincing my wife. There's another common denominator here. What's that? Like the two of us that have real estate are not married either. I, I was trying to hint at that earlier. Like there's another person I have to convince that this is a great idea, and you guys get to just bypass that and collect your $200 when you're around the go court. Like, I'm going to eat ramen all week, and we're going to be okay with that. And really, fingers crossed. that. Well, there's two other things that go along with that. I, I, <laughs> he's on the Dave Ramsey rice and beans. He doesn't even get it in a package. No, the other part of that is not only do I not have like complete authority on decision making and time, I also saved a lot of money in cash to go into being married, which is a great investment. I love. I mean, obviously, I would do it again in a heartbeat. But objectively, there's twenty grand or thirty grand that I wasn't able to put towards something else. Yeah, that. You two are a power couple with that as well. Well, now we are. Like, it, yeah. obviously, like that R that ROI is like the best investment if you ever make. If you look at it as an investment, because she makes. I'm not gonna tell her what she makes, but the first check, I was like, oh, 
oh, sweet, finally. Second check, I was like, damn, I need to up my game. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I told myself. <laughs> I was like, shit, I'm kind of like the dead weight here all of a sudden. Like, I used to be a financer. I used to finance residency. I used to finance everything because she was making, you know, residency pay. And now I was like, Jesus, I, I need to up my game. I need to start polishing up that resume and get a promotion. <laughs> so, yeah, now it's things will change. But Yeah. Forward direction, forward progress. Once we once you guys start looking at a podcast, I'll be like, ha, do I have you beat? <laughs> Here's what you need to do. <laughs> I give you the playbook. Exactly. So but awesome. This has been a great episode. Yeah, appreciate it. Any last words? Oh, it's been good. Any advice? Fun. No leaving, no ending comments. Don't spend twelve thousand dollars on Robert Kiyosaki's yeah, books. Robert Kiyosaki may not be the best. I don't know. For me, I'm the type that you know But you've done other conferences that you've said were great. Like you've done Cardone stuff. And Cardone you, was another absolute waste. Oh, I thought you loved it. Yeah, the first 30 minutes was great, and then it was nonstop being sold to, and I'm like, this is the worst investment. Granted, that one was only a $300 ticket, which really wasn't a big expense, but... Yeah, I've spent $300 way worse than that before. No, so I've come to the conclusion, analysis, or excuse me, or anal- or paralysis by analysis is a real thing. Just jump in. Yeah. Okay. So that's what you learned from your... Well, 100%. Yeah. And I still am just jumping. And sometimes I... <laughs> Realize the bathwater was a little hot. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, the water's pretty deep here. We're swimming for a while. <laughs> We're swimming for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we had a guy that crossed a river in, Can- or in Colorado and... I'm like, guys, it's really shallow right there. And he goes this way, slips, falls at night. Like, we're packing out at night. Yeah, he got, I could hear his boots swishing, like, three people back in the line. That's how wet he got. He's like, yeah, a little deeper than that. I don't <laughs> know. Right. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Phil, any last words? I was just going to say that in a different way, and that's uh, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Because if you can't get over that barrier, then uh, you're probably not going to take the jump into whatever it is that you want to do, whether that's real estate or it could be a million other things outside of it as well. Um, it, it's going to be uncomfortable, and that's a good thing. That's the exciting part. That's where you learn. That's where you grow, and don't be afraid. Awesome. Well, I can't say any better than that. Thanks for being here, guys, and thank you for listening, folks. Boom. <laughs>